Welcome back to March Mad Men. This is episode one, part two, and the final episode pits 1981's My Bloody Valentine, a five seed in our tournament, against number 12 seed Tourist Trap from 1979. Let's find out which film will be victorious. took a little break there and I poured this which I am displaying for the gentleman it is a glass of Stella Artois in a Stella Artois glass because I am officially downshifting so tell me about what 90 proof alcohols you two are drinking at this point because that's really sensible starting with you Reg well I guess I'm I guess I am doing double digits I am doing the the reverse of my normal I'm, I'm switching over to wine uh, oh. Red wine, good for the heart. Again, Trader Joe's, box red wine. I'm telling you, if you're going to drink a box red wine, it's a decent quality, a decent price. Trader Joe's. You hear that, Trader Joe's? Come on, throw us some money. Yeah, we know you got money, Trader Joe's. <laughs> <laughs> we are. Because <laughs> we could, you know, break a few things, make you realize you need our protection. Yeah, the March Mad Men. You don't want us on, you know. You don't want to be on our bad side. That's all I'm saying. All right, Vic, what are you drinking? Sean, I, th- I think you're reinforcing stereotypes. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what stereotype exactly, yeah. but um, uh, yeah, I'm drinking Everclear, John. Just ah. straight Everclear. No. Mm. So uh, they were they, they were out of Eight Ball and Thunderbird. I'm drinking an old podcast favorite, the uh, Victory Brewing's Golden Monkey. Indeed. Welcome back, Golden Monkey. Wow, that was uh, that was another good open, Vic. You you are you've mastered the art of popping a bottle on mic. All right, traditions are are still alive, and two films are still alive. One of which will not be soon, because we have to figure out whether Tourist Trap or My Bloody Valentine will advance. And My Bloody Valentine is our five seed. This is, of course, the 1981 original, and it's going up against 1979's Tourist Trap. So, Rich, you're up on the intro here. Tell us about My Bloody Valentine. My Bloody Valentine, as you indicated, was uh, was released in 1981, specifically on February 11th, just ahead of Valentine's Day weekend. Those clever marketers. It was directed by a guy named George Mihalka. Um, <laughs> I rehearsed that, and I'm butchering it. Um, he was a Hungarian-born Canadian filmmaker. This thing was made with state money on a on a grant um, from the Canadian. Uh, uh, it's it's not actually called the Canadian Film Commission, but whatever their their local Canadian Film Commission is. I don't know. We call them film commissions in the United States. Damn it! That's what we're going to call it when we talk about Canada. It was also shot all within this, the preceding year. So the whole movie was conceived, funded, shot, edited, and released. Well, I guess not released, but within 1980. So like this wow. thing was absolutely rushed through production, which I guess is, is not uncommon for a slasher film, but that's still pretty tight turnaround for any feature film, especially one for, I think, of this quality. 
if you want the plot, I guess the plot is that the Valentine's Day dance hasn't taken place since a Valentine's-related mining accident sent miner Harry Warden into a murderous rage. Years later, a rowdy crew of young coal miners slash lovers throw a Valentine's Day party after the guilt-ridden local sheriff cancels the dance because his beloved box of chocolates is filled with a human heart and someone is killing his secretary. Chaos in a mining outfit, shower impalings, and boiled faces in a pool of hot dogs ensue. <laughs> sounds like a slasher uh, movie. It, it most certainly does. It sounds specifically like an 80s slasher movie. Um, <laughs> this thing was actually originally called The Secret, and it was changed to my bloody Valentine specifically to capitalize on Black Christmas, Halloween, Friday the 13th. Apparently, this was just considered a, a trend um, to start naming horror movies after holidays, and it, it, it followed in kind. It didn't do very well uh, coming out of the gate, but it's definitely developed a following over the years. It did spawn a, a remake earlier in uh, this millennia, and um, it was even like it was actually like subject to a lot of scrutiny for censorship uh it actually had nine minutes cut by the time that it made it to the theater which i find shocking because i actually don't find the the gore or the violence in this movie particularly uh shocking yeah um i mean this this movie is distinctly canadian like i was pretty sure that this was a canadian film long before it was confirmed <laughs> for me there's just there's something about the the attitude and the appearance of the people in this movie the, the, like the geniality and like these the somehow like kind of sophisticated yet very small town working class vibe of this thing you know like it this thing is just like stuffed with like the with the great tropes that like I'm already starting to notice especially of the the old guard uh, in this in this subgenre there's like the the sort of the, the clueless sheriff who's hiding a dark secret and who doesn't seem to care that an old woman was murdered. There's a, a sort of ridiculous costume that I actually think ends up working pretty well, oddly enough. Um, you know, there are definitely boobs, there's, there, there's blood, but I wouldn't say any of it is especially gratuitous. And all, all the set pieces and the kills, I actually feel like are, are relatively well thought out. None of them are extremely impetuous. Like, a lot of the kills tend to have a little bit of buildup to them where like they establish the props well in advance, like long enough for you to sort of like understand that something's going to be used to kill someone, but you're not quite sure how. And then they, and then they let it play out. And I admire that about it. Actually, the cast is, I mean, I don't know, I guess th these are the most attractive people they could find in the mining town. Um, <laughs> but they're like, they're like a, they're a mixed bag that feel like a, like a backwater hockey team. <laughs> you know, it's like they're coal miners. And, and like all films of, of this era, for some reason, there's one character who looks like a young Wilford Brimley and, and cracks wise and seems to do well with the ladies. Um, <laughs> you know, so it's, 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 got, it's got character. And, you know, I, I guess my, my final word here is like, you know, like most things Canadian, especially in that period, like this slasher is a foggy view into working class lives that fails to deliver the thrills of its American counterparts, yet somehow has an innocent, shaggy charm that ultimately makes it memorable for its uh, uh, heart. 
Hmm. Heart Valentine's. Yes, I get it. <laughs> I see what you're doing there. <laughs> what was the costume that you were talking about there? Like uh, that seems ridiculous. Are you talking about Harry's getup? Yeah, I'm yeah. talking about Harry's minor, like, minor, minor mm-hmm. I don't know what else you call that. Like I wanted to call it a gas mask because that's what it looks like. But yeah. it's a it's a miner's outfit. I don't, Jesus, John, if I knew more about mining, I would call it by the correct <laughs> nomenclature, but I just don't. <laughs> No, it's just interesting that you you mentioned that because I I think that's one of my favorite things about this movie. Honestly, is I think he would I would put him with that mask and the the helmet and the light and the the pickaxe and the jumpsuit. I I would say that's in my top ten of slashers just based on look. You know the iconography of the slasher. I I love the way the the figure he cuts. So yeah, I would note that. Uh, the- the, the pickaxe, too. Like, the pickaxe yes. gets a lot of play. Yes. Um, you know, it is it is germane to the plot. It's not just a random prop that was that was lying around. And it's not something you, you see a whole lot elsewhere. All right. Well, we'll leave that there for now and move on to its opponent, Tourist Trap. The 1979 film co-written and directed by David Schmoller and starring such luminaries as Chuck Connors, Tanya Roberts, and apparently Linnea Quigley in an uncredited role as a mannequin. Stephen King has touted this film. Others have actually compared it to Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and I actually see very clear parallels myself. It did have the same production designer as both TCM and The Hills Have Eyes. Interestingly, this film got a PG rating, which seems crazy now, but there are a few 70s movies, such as Jaws, that feel a lot closer to an R than even the later PG-13. This is the kind of movie for which the phrase batshit nuts was invented, and I have a soft spot for these kinds of films. Give me batshit nuts over boring six times a week and twice on Sunday. Say what you want. At the end of the day, this thing is unique. It's a weird fever dream of a flick. And I also give it points for a genuinely disturbing ending that kind of stuck with me. So as goofy as the movie is, I think it's also a little scary too, which has come up earlier tonight on this show. It's certainly one of the key criteria of any discussion of the greatest horror film in any subgenre. So... I'll give it that much credit. Let's move on from there to a little battle royale. Let's hash it out between these two films. Vic, what's your first thought on either or both or how they match up? I mean, John, I agree with you about Taurus Trap in that it is definitely just batshit crazy. Like, it's one of the strangest movies I've ever seen. And that's saying something. Uh, I mean, I, the the mannequins, the telekinesis is sort of a strange development. And I believe I, I texted you guys uh, after I watched it and said that Chuck Connors firmly believes that he is going to win an Oscar for this movie. In every frame of this movie, He every time they yell cut, he just goes in the corner and smiles and starts rehearsing his Oscar speech. Um, I mean, he really gives it his, his all. So yeah, this movie I think if nothing else stands out in the in the slasher genre, which is not a genre in which lots of movies stand out. My Bloody Valentine, really rich. I mean, you talked a lot about the 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 blue collar 
uh, kind of feel and vibe of the movie, I what weirdly popped into my head watching it was the deer hunter. It's like the deer hunter. If instead of yeah. Vietnam, there was a, a, a minor in a minor outfit and a pickaxe. Christopher but Walken I, would play that role too. He would. <laughs> <laughs> it might've been Christopher Walken under the mask. We don't know. Um, uh, but it, it really got me thinking about what I mentioned when we talked about uh, I Know What You Did last summer, because you really do get a feeling for this town, this kind of one-stoplight town that has one industry in the mine that supports everything, and everybody who's in town works in the mine. This story revolves around you know, the guy who tried to get away but got sucked back in and couldn't hack it, and now he's back in town and working in the mine. Very similar to Freddie Prince Jr.'s character, Ray, in I Know What You Did Last Summer. And I think we're going to see that in a couple of other films, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, that Again, that same setting, small town, people trying to get away. You see it in Fear Street. I mean, that's what Shadyside is. It's a, it's a town that nobody likes and everybody's miserable and everybody wants to get away. And so the teenagers are just desperately looking for happiness, excitement, fun, something to take their mind off of their their sort of miserable lives. And this film really dramatized that in a in a believable way. So I, I liked both of these movies for very different reasons. I did forget to mention the logline for Tourist Trap, which is, if you're not familiar with it, uh, a group of young friends are stranded at a secluded roadside museum. They are stalked by a masked assailant, what says slasher more than that? But uh, in this case, he has telekinetic powers and he controls the attraction's mannequins, which is a, definitely a, an interesting wrinkle. Uh, Rich, what did you think about Tourist Trap? I mean, I, there hasn't been another movie in this competition that I stopped more often and just announced out loud to the room that the story made absolutely no sense, especially towards the end. Like at the climax mm-hmm. of the film, I was I was just yelling out loud. I was like, I was like, I was like, what the like, what the fuck is going on? Like <laughs> this, it like, but I, I I'm with you. Like the the telekin the telekinesis in particular is really the thing. That sit that puts this thing over the edge. Yeah. I mean, there are elements of the the killer themselves that I that I won't get into, but like the the, the ways in which the the killer will communicate at certain points with the the hapless teens uh, is is also just sort of unique. Like this is not someone who's necessarily per- they're they're almost portrayed more as like a, a psychotic like a like a peeping tom style madman with a couple of weird quirks it's just those weird quirks happen to involve houses full of mannequins and telekinesis and you know and and plaster so i'm with you in that i really liked the bizarrety of it 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 actually had a touch of a and i can't i don't know how well i can back this up it had a touch of that same quality that that lets scare jessica to death the the my one of my favorites from last season right like it's just like this is someone who had a unique vision and like went out and captured it. The, there is a dedication to mannequin puppetry in this film that like you like cannot deny. <laughs> I mean, like they work very hard. These are not. I guess it's like I don't know that I'd say that they're not hokey effects, but I'd say like when I thought when I heard it's about mannequins, like there's a bunch of mannequins involved. I was like, oh, God, this is going to be bad. But like 
they worked really hard at making those mannequins effective and making them move and making them creepy. And like, they were effectively creepy. Like I, I like that about it. It's definitely the embodiment of like what I think of as like the B slot in like a drive-in movie. Totally. You know, it's, it's not necessarily swinging for the fences. Um, you know, and I'll, and I'll throw in just to give a, a, sh- a shout out to a, uh, um, a fan of the podcast. Um, my mother-in-law, Teresa, who I will say for the record, Chuck Connors midway through. With midway through, I announced, I was like, I was like, Vic says he thinks. Vic says Chuck Connors thinks he's going to win an Oscar, and Teresa's only comment was, "Yeah, he wasn't any good in The Rifleman either." <laughs> Ouch! <laughs> he's playing dual roles. Come on. <laughs> I, 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 for one, like, I didn't even know who he was. It's, it's the kind of name where it's like, I know it. Like, I've heard it before, but I couldn't tell you what the guy was actually from. But apparently he yeah. didn't impress the previous generation either. <laughs> yeah, I never saw The Rifleman. I, I, I have, like, a vague familiarity growing up with this guy being out there. He's a familiar face, and he's certainly a, a memorable guy in what he does. And I, I do think that he delivers a, a very strong, striking, bizarre, you know, not necessarily self-conscious performance because there's just such a, a lot of weirdness in in what he does playing these dual roles that it's um, it takes some balls, and I appreciate it. I just think that this whole movie has an eccentric, corny kind of quality to it it's very old-fashioned and square it's not cool in any way but it's definitely unique and weird and strange the plot element of a new highway making this character the chuck connor's character's uh, roadside attraction irrelevant has kind of a texas chainsaw feel it feels oh, yeah. like he's been left behind and become desocialized, even twisted by his isolation. And that kind of contributes to the overall sense for me of this kind of feeling like a Toby Hooper movie certainly feels inspired by TCM. I like the, there's some, a leather face drag thing going on. This is a no spoiler show, but uh, you know, there's, I, I want to allude to that. And there's some house of wax and maniac parallels with the mannequins and stuff. You ask questions like, are they alive? Are there people trapped inside? What's going on? Just the, the film throws so many questions at you and ideas that are hard to immediately make sense of. And does it all fit together? Well, no, probably not. And certainly the ending as as hallucinatory and dreamlike and nightmarish as it is, I can't you know stand up and say, oh, but actually all the puzzle pieces completely click into place. But it just it as a horror movie ending, it pleased me in that like I got a, a little little shiver down my back, you know, like it did the tingle up the spine of being off balance and unnerved by what I'm watching. So I definitely like the film. Vic, what are your thoughts? I agree with you that uh, the, without spoiling anything, the final image is, is hauntingly odd. Yeah. 
one thing that I that I did want to bring up. Two things I wanted to bring up. The first one is that something I mentioned in the the intro to this season is that a lot of what fuels, especially this era of the slasher film, I think is our fascination with abnormal psychology and, and, you know, what, what being crazy really meant uh, and the, the different ways that the, the different forms that that sort of took. So I'll note that uh, the film Sybil came out in 1976, which was just three years before this. And so I think that sort of typifies that people were looking at these very serious psychological issues and going, how can we use that uh, as a springboard into creating these sort of crazy psychotic characters? And it really works here. Like it's, this is, this character has some, some depth to his insanity and there's some, some thought behind it and stuff. Um, so I, I liked that part of it. And I think that, like I said, I think that's going to be an important part of the discussion of this this genre, uh, certainly in, in places going forward. The other thing is, this is a trope that I that I have noticed, and this is the first film uh, in our competition where it comes up, but I want you guys to be on the lookout for this. It is this exact discussion. Hey, let's go swimming, but we don't have our suits. <laughs> 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 yeah. By the way, I, I I made a note of that before I realized this was a PG film. So that kind of answered that note. Um, but uh, it struck me that why would you set this up for the audience and then deliver nothing? And uh, but yes, I I understand that. Yeah, it just feels like a kind of a de rigueur thing in the genre. But yeah, clinically, you could diagnose this guy. Like, what is it? Yeah. What is it? You know, disassociative personality, multiple personality disorder. I'm not sure, but um, he's probably clinically diagnosable. And I think that would be kind of an interesting exercise throughout these films. Like, where where can we say psychologically what's going on, probably, with this character? He, he would be an example. And I, I did see that some reviewers called this film a ripoff of Psycho initially in some ways because there are clear parallels. Um, you know, he's operating a roadside thing and he's not really aware of that he's killing his visitors. But uh, I, I do think at the end of the day, the movie has just so many, a weird constellation of elements and ideas that ultimately it is truly unique. It, it's interesting, like, the, the thing you guys are talking about, his psychology, that's kind of what makes this an interesting pairing, too, is that you have one film that, that if you, that you're sort of seeing it more from the killer's point of view, and the killer has depth and, and layers and a psychology to explore, but the fodder, let's call them, uh, essentially has none. Whereas like the, the inverse is true for my bloody Valentine, where it's really like you're seeing it from the community's point of view. And it's about these people and their lives and how it's been affected by the, by the killer, but the killer has little to no depth. Um, right. Whatsoever. So it's like, these are really like, like two sides of the, of the same coin in terms of the, in terms of the, the genre. And I mean, I'd argue that like, Certainly, this one, like a tourist trap, is the plays against the norm. Like my bloody Valentine, I think is a is a good example of that sort of like down the barrel slasher movie. Um, and by today's standards, I'd say the, like it kind of plays it safe. 
you know, like nothing surprises you, I think about it, uh, except that it's at least for me, like it's, it's watchability. Like I'd say like I'd, ha- I'd have an easier time watching my bloody Valentine again than tourist trap. But which one would I find more interesting? Like probably watching tourist trap again, but I do think that I'd be like, it would be harder to get me to, to sit down in my seat for the whole thing again. I'll put it this way, Rich. I agree that I would watch, like I'd be more inclined to watch my bloody Valentine again, but ask me in five years what I remember about my bloody Valentine and what I remember about tourist trap. And I guarantee you, I will remember more about tourist trap. I will Vic. You think I won't, but I will. Oh, I've said it. I'll see you. (laughs) Put it in your calendar, bro. It's a date. (laughs) Valentine's day, 2026. (laughs) I'll be there, man. Will you? Will you? No. So uh, I, I I think that those are really salient points because I watched this movie um, talking about My Bloody Valentine two, maybe three months ago. And I remember very little except for the catchy closing theme and a lot of beer cans being crushed and people climbing up ladders and somebody somebody's remains being found in a laundry machine or some such. But uh, I don't have a lot of takeaways. And I actually went into watching Tourist Trap again with some trepidation. I was kind of like, Ugh, I don't love this movie. I don't see why other people love it. But weirdly, this last viewing... After I'd seen it when Joe Bob Briggs, who, yes, I love his show, The Last Drive-In, he'd covered it not that long ago. And, you know, I kind of shrugged and it's dated and it's weird and it's corny. But damn it, I feel like it's the kind of movie that might grow on me. And I, I, it's the kind of movie that like a round or two down the road, I might honestly like it more than I do now, and I don't really see that potential for my bloody Valentine. I could be wrong. I might realize the error of my ways, but I'll kick us off by saying I I think I got to vote for Tourist Trap. Vic, I think it's time, man. Um, say something. I, I, Rich, can, I think I want Rich to go next. Rich, okay, what do you, what do you that's think? That's fair, too. Because I, I really I really went into this going I don't I don't know how I'm going to vote and I I was counting on this discussion to sort of sway me in one direction or another. I, I wasn't married either to either of these films. Okay, Vic, fine. I'll 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 take that pressure, and I'll say I'll say this. I came in thinking I was going to vote one way. You guys have really won me over as this with this discussion of tourist trap. But I won't say I'm 100% convinced, so I'm still going to co- cast my vote for My Bloody Valentine. Like I said, i I got to go with the one that I would want to watch again. But I'm going to do that because I'm going to let you make the final call. Very Shit. dramatic. Very dramatic. That was good uh, broadcasting sensibilities there, Rich. Vic? It's all in your hands. And unlike the last time, it actually does matter. And you're not just voting after the fact. (laughs) Well, John, I'm used to my vote mattering. So uh, I'm I'm familiar with this pressure. I I thought Um, I had my moment, but no, I didn't. But this is tough. I mean, I I think what what Rich said in, in juxtaposing these films really, really applies, right? Like, I 
kind of care about the characters in My Bloody Valentine, and I sort of want to, you know, I, I would be interested in revisiting that and 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 seeing how those relationships play out and how that sort of, you know, whether I care whether they get chopped up or not. Wow, um, you wait, 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 wait. You care about the the relationships in My Bloody Valentine? More so than Tourist Trap. Oh, yeah. In Tourist Trap, there's one girl who I'm pretty sure never leaves the window. She's old. Every time you cut to her, she's just looking out the window being, I think they're out there somewhere. I mean, she does that for 45 <laughs> minutes. Yeah. It's not much of an art. <laughs> um, I mean, that's well, fair. Like a, that feeling of a town where these kids feel trapped and the, the, the one kid, uh, I think it's TJ tried to get away and then has to come back and everybody's mad at him. And, and, you know, I mean, I'm just saying those are, those are dynamics. Like those are the things that invest me in, you know, the, the, the meat for the grinder. Um, and I, that matters. I want to, I want to know about the characters and I want to care a little bit and it's, it's not Shakespeare, but you know, it's there. It's not there in tourist trap. But fuck Chuck Connors is weird, man. Guy makes <laughs> weird choices. <laughs> oh, he does where he's like, little girl, little girl. <laughs> he's doing the voice stuff and then the yeah. mannequin stuff and he's talking to himself and then he's playing with the dolls. Why is he playing with the dolls? <laughs> Oh, there's so much insanity in that movie. Like, I just want to give you guys, like, one brief little snippet of dialogue that kind of, I think it encapsulates the craziness of this movie. And this is just him essentially talking to himself in this little dialogue where he he goes, yes. The crackers are very good. That's what I said. Aren't the crackers good? <laughs> How do you not love this movie? <laughs> Isn't there a scene where he tries to, to, to feed a mannequin? He's like, he's yeah, like yeah. shoving food in a mannequin's mouth. Like it's, I, yeah, I, I gotta, I gotta vote tourist trap. I don't know. I gotta yeah. see. I gotta, it's, you know, I, uh, I, w- I was open to delving deeper into my bloody Valentine, but I, I think tourist trap is the right choice. I'm going to, A, this is the first upset of the tournament. Yeah, it is. Show number one, guys. That's exciting. And I'm going to regret this when I actually have to sit down and watch it again. <laughs> it was like, why did I do this? Why did I do this to myself? I have but, a lot of uh, notes on the movie that I, I am looking forward to running by you guys. So, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's respectable. I, I got to say, when you put the two of them next to each other, it's like My Bloody Valentine is like Yacht Rock to uh to tourist traps punk so you know like i've, I've got to explore the, the 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 edgier craggier version so i'm 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 not sad but i will say shout out if you haven't seen my bloody valentine before uh check it out it's it's a, it may be easy listening um but you're gonna enjoy it speaking of easy listening i'm gonna try to put that end theme over this show because the the ballad of harry warden is entertaining stuff yeah i mean i'm kind of sad to see it go i was excited for it especially like the uncut version and all that but i just eh, the kills didn't really make that big of an impression and i do like the culture of it and um the community i feel like maybe we could have sunk our teeth into that 
but I don't think it's as rich and thick of a cut of red meat as tourist trap at the end of the day. So there you have it. All right. Well, uh, that is show number one, everybody. And we want to give you a feel for what's coming down the pike so you can potentially watch some of these movies if you get a chance we are going to be um relatively spoiler free all the way through at least the first round but uh coming up next will be in the dark horse category hot tension or high tension depends on what cut you watch the alejandro aha classic it's a number one seed. That's why I'll use that word against blood rage, which is a little more obscure, but it's our 16th seed in that regional. And then we have the old school matchup eight versus nine, ostensibly a very even battle between the burning an eight seed against stage fright, which is a nine seed. And then meta category comes back with a relatively high seed behind the mask, the Leslie Vernon story versus Final Girls, a number 12 seed. Come back to listen to John scorch the earth as we discuss Final Girls, <laughs> his least favorite meta horror film. I am not a huge fan of Final Girls. Yeah, if it was up to me, it would be probably 16, but... uh Hey, it's a democracy, so yeah, it came in at 12. Well, uh, that'll be interesting, and after that, show number three, just to give you even a little bit more heads up on what's coming down, our number one seed in the meta category is Happy Death Day, and that will be squaring off against Fear Street 78, 73, 71, whatever the fuck it is. A sixteen. Yeah, listen. If you want to see if you want to see scorched earth, it's gonna be it's gonna be John. There's just gonna be a pile of fucking ashes where John is when I'm done talking about Fear Street seventy eight. You guys are gonna be you guys are gonna be sorry for everything that you said today. That is looking like a, a an early highlight of this season. I'm looking forward to that one. And then in the peak franchise category, Child's Play, the 1988 original, an eight seed faces Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2003, the reboot, a nine seed. And in the Dark Horse regional, The Strangers, seeded five, faces Midnight Meat Train, which is a 12 seed. Those are our next two shows. Hope you guys are excited for it. I certainly am. Parting thoughts, gentlemen. Let's start with you, Vic. Guys, I love this. I love that the, I feel like the, the battle lines have been drawn. I feel like we each have some emotional investment in some of these. And I love seeing how our investment evolves, like watching what happened with the tourist trap over the course of this discussion. That's why we do this. That's why we play the games, gentlemen. That's why we have to play the games, because you have to know. Uh, only when you when you get in the ring, when you get in the octagon, do you figure out which one really deserves to move forward. So uh, I think this episode has been a, a really solid example of why this competition is so much fun and why I enjoy doing it with you guys and why I can't wait to see what happens next. Oh, hell yeah. Buddy, Rich, take us out, man. Yeah, this has been a real fun house, guys. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. It's been a pretty freaky week with a lot of high tension. 
and I can feel that everyone's getting really the spirit up. You might say you're in like a blood rage. Like, I don't want to sound like a psycho or anything. I just want to let you in behind the mask and know how I'm feeling. <laughs> I'm psyched about all these movies coming down the pike. I hope you guys are too. And I will uh, see you there. Outstanding. All right. Take care, y'all. Sharpen those blades. We'll see you down the road. Adios! You could see the fear in their eyes Once every year as the 14th draws near There's a hush all over the town While the legend they say on a Valentine's Day Is a curse that'll live on and on And no one will know as the years come and go Of the horror from long time ago Twenty years came and went And everyone spent the 14th in quiet regret And those still alive know the secret survives In the darkness that looms in the night For the legend they say on a Valentine's Day Is a curse that'll live on and on And no one will know as the years come and go Of the horror from long time ago In this little town When the 14th comes round There's a silence and fear in the air Remember the morn That the legend was born All the shock and the horror was there For the legend they say On a Valentine's Day Is a curse that'll live on and on As the years come and go Of the horror from long time ago And no one will know As the years come and go Of the horror from long time ago